You are listening to Sermon Audio from Red Tree Church. For more information about our church or to find more Sermon Audio, visit redtreechurch.com. Well, good morning, Red Tree. Welcome back to our study of the book of Jonah. Today we're looking at chapter 1, verses 17, which is the last verse in the chapter through the end of chapter 2. Uh, There are only 10 verses there, so it's a total of 11 verses this morning. The title of the sermon is God's Grace for a Rebellious Heart. I'm going to start off with a a story. Perhaps you've heard uh, the story of James Bartley, a modern Noah. In 1891, newspapers reported that a man on a whaling ship had been swallowed by a whale. Considered lost at sea, He was cut out of the whale 15 hours later and survived. The story goes that he was on a ship called the Star of the East, which at the time had been on a whaling expedition near the Falkland Islands off the coast of South America. Upon spotting a whale, James Bartley was among a group of sailors uh, that, um, that left the ship in two long boats uh, to harpoon it. The sailors in both boats sank harpoons deep into the whale, who promptly dove deep and pulled the ropes down with him. Then the ropes went slack. Now, if you've never hunted whales, um, you know that when that happens, when the ropes uh, go slack, that means that the whale is coming back to the surface so that it can breathe. As it breached the surface of the water, it knocked one of the longboats over, capsized it, Uh, All the sailors inside fell into the sea. The other longboat came along and picked them up, except for two. They were thought lost at sea and drowned. Over the next several hours, they fought with the whale until it finally succumbed. They began harvesting the meat and parts worth keeping. At one point, a sailor thought he saw the stomach moving and assumed it was a squid or octopus inside. So they cut the stomach open and saw a boot and a leg through the opening. They quickly freed James Bartley from the whale's belly. He was alive, but barely. He fully awoke after about two weeks. His skin had been bleached by the acid in the stomach, and he'd suffered some physical injuries due to the process of sliding past the teeth, down the throat, and then crammed into the belly of the whale. He was also nearly blinded. However, the psychological toll required even more time to heal. Nevertheless, after about a month, he was back to work on the ship. Upon reaching shore at the conclusion of their time at sea, this story was retold by the sailors and wound up in uh, newspapers nearby, and he was hailed as a modern Jonah for obvious reasons. Then the story spread across the world over time. It was picked up and repeated in various publications over the course of decades until over 100 years later, someone finally set out to corroborate or debunk the story. Several pieces of the story fell apart after research, and it seemed as though it was just a fake story made up. That's a bummer, right? I mean, for over 100 years, religious people retold the story and put it in their publications, not just religious, but But religious people did that as proof that the original story of Jonah and the whale is not crazy. It's still treated as a true story on some internet sites today. You can look that up, James Bartley. 
But why do we do this? Why do we try to find convincing arguments to win over those who don't believe? This isn't how the Christian faith works. Faith in things that cannot be proven 100% is an essential for every Christian. It's the very definition of faith, actually. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. He was resurrected from the dead. It's crazy for those who don't believe. For us, it doesn't seem as crazy. We believe that. It's the miraculous work of a sovereign God who promised in Genesis 3 a solution for our sins. It has been revealed to us as truth. We once were blind, but now we see. That's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's our witness to those who don't believe. I can't convince them, but all I know is I once was blind and now I see. The secular world doesn't get that because they don't have faith. Faith is a gift from God so that no one can boast. So let's recap from last week where we are in Jonah's story. Last week we looked at the beginning of the story of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Jonah, a Hebrew prophet, is called by God to go preach repentance to the Assyrians in Nineveh. Jonah didn't want them to repent. He didn't want God to be gracious to them. They were awful people who did terrible things to the Hebrews. So Jonah left town, but to go 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. God pursued Jonah while on his trip across the Mediterranean to flee from God. God pursued him despite his rebellion. There was a bad storm, and the ship was in danger of sinking. The sailors did all they could to save the ship. They cast lots to find who was responsible and found it was Jonah, who only then confessed it was his fault, that he was running from the God who made the sea and land. He told the sailors to kill him by throwing him in the sea and they would be saved. Begrudgingly, they did throw him in the sea. The storm immediately calmed and the sailors were saved from sinking and drowning. This kind of catches us up and gets us to today's passage, the story of the great fish. The book of Jonah is a book completely about God and what he does, but is named after the only character in the book who does not do what God says. Interesting. Um, If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me, please, to uh, Jonah 1, verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles at the end of the rows. Uh, ask someone to snag one for you. They'll pass it to you. If you don't own a Bible, uh, please take one of these or see an elder or ask anyone and, and they'll make sure that you have one. So before we read that, um, let me pray over the reading of God's Word. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning um, humbly acknowledging that you are the God of the land and the sea. You are the sovereign God over all things. Lord, we ask that you would, um, your Holy Spirit would interpret the scripture that you have for us to to read this morning, to look at, um, that you would teach us, that we would be um, observant to your teaching, that we would understand, that the Holy Spirit would help us to understand what it means for us um, and what we should do about it. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us where we are, but You cause us to change. You love us. You pursue us. Lord, I pray that um, the reading of your word would be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, so again, Jonah 1, verse 17, and we'll read through 2, verse 10. 
And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And this is the word of the Lord. So we have three parts to this story, three things we see. The first one is God in his great mercy and grace saving Jonah from drowning in the sea via a great fish. The second part is Jonah's recap of his experience, first being swallowed by the sea and sinking down to what was nearly his death, the just wages for his sins. He had earned this fate from his rebellion. His recap also includes his thanksgiving to God in the belly of the fish. And then the third part is Jonah being deposited on dry land. Despite Jonah's great prayer, acknowledging God's great deliverance and Jonah's thankfulness, it won't be long until he's at it again with his disobedience and rebellion. Uh, but that's next week, the next episode, so I won't get into that. The major theme in these verses today is that God's mercy and grace uh, is God's mercy and grace. It, this culminates in verse 9, which says salvation comes from the Lord. This is indeed the very theme of the Bible. Salvation is from the Lord. Christianity is unique in this aspect. It is the only major world religion that does not require us to be good in our own right for salvation. Christianity does not require our good to outweigh the bad we've done. It is a nearly universal thought outside of Christianity and a very persuasive, I'm sorry, pervasive temptation with Christians like you and me to think that our standing with God is dependent on what we do for him how good we are, how upright and godly we can be, working to tip the scales in our favor. Why? So we can plead our case and hope that there is enough we've done well to be right with God, to earn his favor. But no one does good, not even one, as it says in Romans 3.12. Our best is as dirty rags, it says in Isaiah 64.6. Salvation does not come from us. Salvation comes from the Lord. So to the first thing we see, God, in his great mercy and grace, saved Jonah from drowning in the sea via a great fish. People may not believe that the story of Jonah was a literal historical story because it is admittedly far-fetched. Not just far-fetched, but we can't explain how it happened based on what we know today. Supposedly, there is no great fish or whale with a throat big enough to swallow an adult human. I don't know for sure. I haven't done the conclusive research. I've heard of sharks being caught and then opened up to find 
uh, full suit of armor in their belly. And if a shark can uh, have a suit of, belly, a suit of armor in its belly, then uh, why on earth can't a man fit? But uh, I don't see the point of arguing that, really. Um, so let's be honest. This is just simply a miracle of creator God proportions. This is unexplainable until and unless and if we can know more. But besides that, how did Jonah even breathe? No one knows. I'm not sure that anyone has a valid hypothesis for this. Um, But does it matter? The how is less important than the why. The why is explained in the next section in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 2. Jonah's repentance, turning to God, and psalms of thanksgiving are retold for us to see. So the second thing we see is that. Jonah's recap of his experience being first swallowed by the sea and sinking down to what was nearly his death, which again, the just wages of his sins. He'd earned this fate from his rebellion. His recap includes thanksgiving to God in the belly of the fish. Jonah's use of thanksgiving psalms in the fish and not lament is the same reason why we would not and do not lament Christ in the tomb. There are parallels there. The disciples lamented of Christ in the tomb because they didn't fully understand the significance. We do understand the significance of the tomb now, of course, and we would never lament that. We celebrate Christ's sacrifice, his death, his tomb, and the triumphal resurrection. They are conjoined in significance for us. In the same way, Jonah combined the significance of the great fish and the delivery from drowning in the depths of the Mediterranean Sea. The grave of Christ became our salvation. In the same way, the belly of the fish became Jonah's salvation. We read that in Jonah's retelling of his experience. Then in verse 3, Jonah says that God hurled him into the sea. But we know from chapter 1 that the sailors threw Jonah into the sea. So why does Jonah say that God threw him into the sea then? Well, he's going to end up there one way or another, right? The The ship was sinking in the storm. It was only a matter of time until the ship and everyone on board was in the sea anyway. The sailors did all they could to avoid it, but eventually gave up their own pointless efforts and drew lots. And Jonah got the short straw, so to speak. God was in that. We see God use the casting of lots, the superstitious secular practice, to show his power and sovereignty. He used this method to drag Jonah to confession to the sailors. Jonah could hide no longer. Therefore, Jonah credits God with throwing him into the sea. God didn't let Jonah just run away. He pursued him to the point of throwing him into the sea. Jonah is acknowledging it was God's doing. God's consequences for Jonah's rebellion were overwhelming. Jonah felt far from God, but knew that God was his only hope. Jonah felt the suffocating isolation and entanglement. He was trapped. But God delivered him from the deepest pit. Nearing the end of his life, which is what he wanted in chapter 1, to just die, he remembered and prayed and was heard by God and experienced his mercy and grace. To those who cling to worthless idols, replacement gods with a small g, they forfeit God's great grace. As Tim Keller says, an idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel like my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I feel significant and secure. But no idol of any shape or size or material could have done anything for Jonah. 
And he knows this. So I wonder, what idol are you clinging to in your life today, hoping that it will deliver you from misery or trying circumstances? Is it your job? Is it the responsibilities given to you or accomplishments at work? Or is it education or training? Perhaps it's a relationship or the hope of a future relationship or finances or security. Maybe it's the next purchase you want to make or the next investment. Perhaps your obedience to God's laws, your attempt to please him. Perhaps it's the freedom God has allowed you and you abuse that freedom to the point of license. License you take to live, to live however you want with little thought of being holy as he is holy. Whatever it is, it cannot save you, and it will not save you. Salvation comes from the Lord, after all. Cast those idols away. They won't hear you when you reach the depths. They won't save you at your lowest point. When you feel like everything is closing in around you, confess, repent, forget, and draw close to the Lord. This is why spiritual disciplines are important. Jonah shows us why they're important. He quotes nine different Psalms passages uh, from chapters in Psalms from 18 to 142. Uh, One of those was read by Lane this morning. He knew God's word. He prayed God's word. He was reminded of truths from God's word and recalled them as he was fading away and certain that he was at the end of his life. When all of Jonah's hope was gone except a miracle, that's when God did what only God can do. Spiritual disciplines are important not because they check a box, but because they draw us closer to God. We learn who he is through his word. We learn his character, his will through his word. When we are low in hope and options, what else do we have to look to? The third thing and final thing we see is Jonah being deposited on dry land. So in chapter 2, verse 10, and I'd like to combine that with uh, the first verse of chapter 3. Um, those two verses read, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So this is God's, um, all right, let's try this again moment for Jonah. <laughs> this is the culmination of Jonah's rebellion, running, resting, when he shouldn't have been, Repentance, rebound, and rebirth. Why did God pursue Jonah? Did God need Jonah to reach the Ninevites? Would the Ninevites have perished without Jonah eventually going and preaching? No, that was God's work in his doing. But God pursues us in our sin, not for his benefit, but for our benefit. He pursues with fury those who are his and does not let them just walk away or sail away or fade away. As it says in 1 Kings chapter 8, God, if your people stray from you and go off to a foreign land in their sins, if they turn back to your temple and cry out for you, please hear them from your temple and rescue them from wherever they are. Repentance is followed by mercy for Jonah and for us. But first, can you imagine the stench on this guy being spit out of a large fish after three days, regurgitated? Um, up on the dry land. I, I can't, but uh, maybe I can. I don't. Years ago, when we were preparing for one of our moves, 
um, and clearing out a bunch of junk and trash, preparing to put a house in the market. We loaded up a truck, and, uh, and I drove it to the dump in Valley Park. Um, it's closed now, but I'd done this several times uh, over the, the previous years and had been directed to the top of the heap to unload. But in this particular instance, uh, they offered me the option of uh, dumping the trash at a transfer station, which was close to the entrance. Um, so I chose that because then I didn't have to drive to the top of the, the dump heap. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to drop a load of trash off at the dump's transfer station, don't. <laughs> Just don't. It stinks. Um, so we're emptying the back of the truck onto the ground of the transfer station. Um, and it's, a, it's a building that has three sides, and it's, the roof is probably two stories tall, several bays wide for... Uh, for large trucks to come in and, and dump their load. Um, so when we were about halfway through, uh, another truck, uh, a big 18-wheeler, with a, a large dumpster on the back that was sealed, that should have been my first indication. Um, and it was hot. Uh, so it, it was backing up, and uh, the, the dumpster started to raise. The, the back door was on a hinge at the top, and so it started to open, and Stuff started to, sli to, to slime out. Um, <laughs> but then the, the, uh, a bunch of water. Yeah. <laughs> Putrid water that smelled of death, decay, and pure nastiness uh, came rushing out. So we immediately climbed up on the truck as we saw the, the water getting closer and closer to our shoes. Um, we have to burn those. But... So we got up out of the way and, and quickly, as fast as we could. Uh, it, we thought it stank before, but then it really started to get smelly. Um, and smelly is not even an appropriate word. I just, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> so we dumped the rest off to, to uh, get out of there as quickly as we possibly could and back to, uh, to fresh air. And I really hope I never smell anything nearly that bad again. I'm not possible. I'm, I'm not sure that's even possible. Uh, it was so awful. But so anyway, can you imagine how bad Jonah smelled? Um, but regardless, and, and I don't know if he cleaned himself off. Hopefully, he was right there by the sea. So, uh, but he's on his way to be the prophet he was called to be to preach repentance, uh, which is a prophet's job after all, to people he did not want to receive God's grace. So imagine if we, if, we, if we sang these lyrics. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But not like you or him or her or them. No, those aren't the right lyrics. We don't sing those wrong lyrics. That's ridiculous. But do we live them? Grace for me, but not for them. Look back at your life and the attitudes of the last six months or six years. Are you becoming more gracious, more like God's character? If not, why not? So in conclusion, while it doesn't always look pretty and the circumstances are sometimes awful, God is merciful and gracious. Are you? Who is someone you need to be merciful and gracious towards? Is it a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, someone who doesn't have the same opinion as you? This story of Jonah contains the elements of the gospel. The creator God was rebelled against by both the cruel, murderous, idolatrous Assyrians and also his very own prophet. They deserved death and destruction. They were warned of their imminent, 
imminent demise. They repented and were saved. This is the good news of God's plan, the gospel. The thing about the book of Jonah that I think is unique is that his stubborn selfishness is is on full display. There is very little in this book that puts Jonah in a good light. But this is a theme of God's throughout Scripture. He takes the low and the down and out and broken sinners, and he uses them for his purpose. He pursues those he calls his own to accomplish his purpose for his glory. He pursued Jonah to the, the depths of the sea, Jonah eventually repented and turned back to God and committed to make good on his vow. But it took extreme circumstances. Near death, in fact. How long does it take you to turn to God for genuine help? He's waiting. He's actively pursuing you. Do you trust God to be faithful and to help you? Or maybe you need to consider that God just wanted Jonah's repentance and for him to follow God not to stay shackled to his guilt and shame. That is not what God wants. That stuff, the guilt over sin and the associated shame, it's been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. God joins, um, sorry, join God in his work and see just how great, good, gracious, and glorious he is. Pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for Thank you for your great mercy and grace. Thank you that you pursue us. Thank you that um, when we um, spiritually soil ourselves and, and get dirty and rebel against you, you pick us up and you clean us off and you put us back again for our benefit, uh, not for yours, but for your glory. Lord, I pray that... Um, that we would remember the, this, uh, this word, the story of Jonah, the deliverance that you provided, the fact that you pursue us in our rebellion uh, and when we run away from you. Lord, thank you that um, <laughs> you are so great, despite our sin being so great. But the cross covers the difference. So we just praise your holy name for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Red Tree Church. Visit redtreechurch.com for more information.